you should be more than likely amazed at what you've done and understand then how valuable you are. And when you go to the table at an interview, you need to be able to show them your value. As if interviewing wasn't hard enough, try doing it when you are a woman over 40 and maybe even over 50. Trust me, I have seen the messages in my inbox and there are plenty of women who report how hard it is to find a job after this age. So where do you start? Hi, this is Diana O'Leary with Job Talk Weekly. Today I talk with Helen Sanchez, founder and career coach at Tanagi. Helen specializes in helping women over 40 see their value, present themselves well in the job market, and find great careers. Let's jump in. Hi, Helen. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, Diana. It's great to be here chatting with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, thank you for joining us because ageism has been in the workforce and in recruitment news lately. It's getting a lot more attention these days. And before we jump into the topic, though, tell us how you came to work with women over 40. Absolutely. I actually have an extensive background in recruiting. And while I was studying for my degree in women and gender studies, I did some research on the impact of age discrimination in the workplace for women. And uh, the results of that uh, research just reinforced not only um, the extensive ageism that women experience, but also that the discrimination begins as young as 40. And when I later experienced some ageism personally, uh, I knew my passion was with helping women over 40 to overcome ageism and achieve their career goals. And so that's how I began this, this chapter of my journey. Well, tell us a little bit about what that looks like, either your experience or your clients. What are women over 40 saying about interviewing, whether that's interviewing for a new job or their own experience at their existing company trying to get ahead? Well, sadly, women are experiencing it and um, substantially. And in many cases, I think one of the biggest drawbacks of or results of of that ageism is it affects a lot of women's confidence. I think that my experience in working with women and in doing research has been that women, uh, as a general rule, always underestimate themselves and always um, don't appreciate everything they've done. You know, when women are uh, working and maintaining a household and raising children, they don't realize to what extent they're, they're, they're managing things and, and they're achieving things. And so they, they tend to underestimate themselves. And so I think that's the biggest impact for women of uh, experience age, experiencing ageism, especially in interviewing. Now, in the workplace, I found personally, and I'm sure uh, a lot of women do, and, and many of the women I spoke with, uh, experience situations where the promotions don't come about or they're not included in training or they're not even, uh, they'll be talked over at meetings. Uh, They'll not be included in conversation. And that's very unfortunate because not only for the uh, recipient of that ageism, but for the companies, because it's been, there have been studies that show cross-generational teams and cross-generational exchanges are more productive and more successful. So unfortunately, uh, the companies are also losing out. But women can, uh, some, of the, some of the experiences that I've heard 
when I um, when I talk to clients. There was one in particular that sticks with me um, because she was such a really for me a young vibrant woman and uh, had been hired for uh, an important role and it was in the fall and by the end of the year she had um, attended some uh, holiday festivities and was showing a picture of her daughter and so the person who hired her who she reported to who thought she was doing an excellent job said to her well how old are you which for starters was not the right question. Um, and, and by the time the holidays were over, she was without a job. And so based on the picture of her adult daughter. And so uh, this is what women experience. They, you know, they can identify ageism by either uh, direct inappropriate questions uh, about dates or age or by subtle requirements when they're looking for a job of quote unquote cultural fit or this is a fast paced environment which I, my clients hear a lot and I, I get back. Um, or you just need one to two years experience because that allows them to then uh, lure in younger people uh, at lower prices and supposedly not be um, really discriminating. Um, so, so I think that, that that's primarily what women have been encountering. I'm so glad you mentioned the keywords in job descriptions because I was thinking about digital native, which, you know, would mean someone in their young 20s. So when it comes to some of these more tech skills, you know, how can women who have digital expertise or strong marketing knowledge, you know, present themselves? Because when some companies think social media marketing, you know, they assume that it has to be a 22-year-old. Right. Well, I think I think it's true in any field, but especially in technology, that on um, a person's resume, they need to make sure that they're representing what is current in the field or industry they're in, um, that they're familiar with. They, and, they, and they need to keep themselves abreast of what's new, uh, not just what they're comfortable with, but they need to always be, whether they uh, participate in professional associations, in conferences, of course, in, in reading, but they need to always be up to date on what's the newest and the latest. And then they need to represent those uh, familiarities and their achievements uh, very clearly on, and quantifiably on their resume in order to make themselves as competitive as the quote unquote digital native, which is actually not as competitive as as the person who has all the experience. Um, so, so it's a matter of representing themselves um, with that information very clearly and, um, again, quantifiably. That's, a, that's a, a big sought after thing today is that you quantify what, when you achieve something, what were the specifics of it? And I think they need to also, anyone who goes on a resume, uh, on a, excuse me, on an interview, they need to be able to tell a story. So they need to be able to relate that to a specific instance and their achievements and, and make it to a, into a story so that the person who's interviewing them remembers and can relate to that specific story. So um, I think those are important when you're competing with that requirement of digital native. Um, at the end of the day, just as with cultural fit and fast paced environment, when you go on an interview, uh, you hope that these are just words that perhaps they thought would be suitable. Um, but you also want to 
When you go for an interview, you want to, as well as answer their questions, you want them to answer your questions. And you want to make sure that it is a good fit, whether um, you're not comfortable with the direction they're going in or with the culture that they do represent. Uh, you should not be afraid to, to walk away from that. So you do want to ask the questions that you need to to get those answers also. Well, let's talk about the interview process. What companies aren't allowed to say or to ask? Because I think sometimes we forget, we get into a comfortable conversation. So what shouldn't a company say or ask? And is there any recourse if they do? Yes. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're here, Helen. Thank you. Uh, Overall, of course, they they should not be asked age-related questions, marital status, sexual orientation, national origin, questions about children. And, and sometimes interviewers, um, as I mentioned, I've, I've been in recruiting for many years. And so I know that sometimes interviewers will try to make this a conversation. Um, so unfortunately, you need to be comfortable either redirecting a question or um, just not sharing the details of, of what they're asking you for. But age-related questions are not acceptable. Um, asking you for Uh, specific dates that you haven't represented are unnecessary. Um, So those should not be asked. Unfortunately, the American Discrimination, uh, Employment Discrimination Act is not a very effective act. Um, Actually, I think in in surveys, I think maybe 90% of people surveyed said that it should be improved because the burden of proof falls on us, whether we're interviewing or whether an employee. And it's a very difficult burden. And actually, the Supreme Court um, in 2009, I believe, made another ruling that emphasized that that burden of proof is on us. So during interviews, um, and actually in in any event, during interviews or as an employee, the important thing is to document. You need to document the exact question. You need to document the details of the date and time uh, and place that this all occurred. And keep that documentation. Uh, In the workplace, when you take that documentation, you can go to your human resources department um, to begin with and and try to engage them in in rectifying the problem and correcting the problem. Um, If that does not help or uh, you don't find a suitable resolution, then the next opportunity is to go to the EEOC and file a complaint. You can also seek legal counsel, but again, um, the majority of the time you have to pay for the consultation with a lawyer. And at the end of the the interview, they may turn and say to you that you don't have the documentation. And honestly, I've been there, done that. So I know it's the way the phrasing is done in in company uh, policy manuals and things so that they just make sure that they're covering themselves so that they're not going to be held liable. And it's, again, that's unfortunately how they manage it and how they manage the fact that the burden falls on us. Yeah, I think it is much harder in the interview process. I mean, it's just one person's word against another, and they really have nothing to lose. So they just move on to the next candidate. But then you, the candidate, have to ask yourself, is this the type of place 
I want to work if they are not professional, pretty loose with the rules and not respectful. And at a minimum, they're not following proper procedures. So that could be a tough situation. But it also makes me think of different industries that might be better suited to serve people with more experience. You know, I think of universities and banks and places where you have people with a lot of tenure and hopefully some managers who maybe have seen people with more experience and their value compared to startups that might have a very different culture based on the experience of the people in that company. So have you seen certain industries serve people over 40 better than others? Well, uh, ageism, unfortunately, crosses into all industries, but some are certainly more challenging than others. As you mentioned, uh, startups generally do trend toward that digital native uh, population, uh, the young. Uh, Technology actually has the youngest median employee age, which um, technology, I believe, is 33, and the overall median age is 42. So they are the youngest, but obviously also entertainment. Uh, marketing, those are areas where you encounter more of the, um, what I call the social construction of the image that should they think should exist, which is erroneous. But one of the ways that I uh, sometimes uh, advise clients to look for companies that are embracing ageism and that embracing the experience that you bring is to Google returnships. And there are a, a very long list of companies today that offer returnship programs, which are uh, kind of internships for people who are coming back into the workplace. So if you're not coming back into the workplace and you're not fitting into the returnship program, you're still finding a list of companies that obviously embrace experience and age is not as important for them. So you can then start to look for opportunities in their career pages. But you'll know that the philosophy of that in of that corporation is to embrace experience and and age becomes irrelevant so I, I recommend to my clients they do that. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I first learned of the returnship from you because I do have a friend who is having this tough time. You know, she's uh, a returning mom to the workplace. She's over 50. So I referred her to the returnships that you mentioned. So what are some other tips that you have for women over 40? Well, I think the first thing, absolutely, as you mentioned, is their resume. They need to ensure that their resume, um, the template they're using is current. Uh, Another item that, aside from being current, which current uh, means that Most resumes today, young people do not put their street address. You'll have your name, your city, your um, email, your phone, and your uh, LinkedIn uh, URL if you have one, and you should have one. Um, So that's the the format. But but the template itself is important because I know uh, many times people are advised to do columns. Um, Sometimes they'll go to resume services where they'll advise to put columns or um, kind of fancy things up. The uh, robots or the applicant tracking systems, which I used when I was a recruiter, cannot identify easily with those. So if you have columns that throw the applicant tracking system off, your resume is not going to get through. And so you you really should be using, from my perspective, I always advise a very formal, uh, simple format that just lists chronological experience, your degree at the bottom with no date, 
your uh, heading and a career summary, but not uh, objective. The objective word has been gone for a while. Um, and then you could you can identify your skills and soft skills are very important today. So you can include those in your skills. Also, sorry uh, to jump in here. Can I ask you one more thing about the resume? Because this part can be so hard for people. The fact that they should drop work experience from 20 years ago because, you know, I talked to some clients and it's really hard for them because they think, well, there's one part of this job that was really relevant, but is it really relevant if it was 20 years ago? So as, as proud as one might be of what they did 20 years ago, 20 years ago. Can you talk about why you don't want to necessarily include something that's 20 or 25 years old? And what what is the cutoff? Well, your chronological experience should go back 10 to 15 years. And if you had one role, which occasionally people still do, for more than that, you should have a progression in that company um, or one company for, for more than that. But it should be 10 to 15 years. If you have something that you want to represent as part of your skill, you, from my perspective, you can include that in your skills if you've done it, been there, done that. Um, and then when you interview, you can relate it to where you you had that experience. You can also put underneath your chronological experience, you can put additional professional experience and list something you've done with no dates. I did have a client who many years ago had worked for IBM and you know we, we really wanted to include that on her resume and, and she was anxious to also. So we put that under the chronological experience and we put it as additional professional experience and, and ha- we did not have dates on that. So that's another suggestion. Yeah. So you you can always, yeah, you can always include what you've done, but just not so that you're spoon feeding to them when you've done it. And so how many years ago that was, because you're just making it too easy for them to pass you by. It's okay. So extend this thought to LinkedIn. How should these women approach their LinkedIn profile? Well, their LinkedIn should reflect their, um, their, resume as far as the chronological dates um, and their skills. They select their skills. Those are very important. Um, so their skills can, again, represent what they can, what they come to the table, what they bring with them that they can do. Um, that's what their skills should represent. And they, they need to really uh, take a hard look at what LinkedIn offers as far as uh, options for skills. Sometimes we forget things. And so make sure that you're representing everything that you can do. But again, the, it should, as far as the resume itself, it should represent chronological um, information from your resume experience. Um, I do not recommend downloading a resume into LinkedIn be, because then you're stuck with that one resume. And, and you know, based on job descriptions and on things that you're learning as you're interviewing, you, you want to be able to tweak your resume a bit. So, yeah, so we want a more modern resume that looks like it was created within the last few years, you know, test it out, show it to other people, look online for ideas. And we want to be active on LinkedIn. So what are some other tips? Well, I think one of the one of the other items that I usually recommend is that you from the moment you're either on Zoom or on um, in person in an interview, you're being judged. So you're being judged on your energy level, on your passion, on whether you're a dynamic person, on how you sit on a chair. There are certain things that women are judged on 
rather than men automatically um, outside of whether they're, they're a certain age or not. Uh, and that, for example, how they sit, because men always sit back and, and appear to be confident and in charge. And women will tend to sit forward and, and appear more um, tenuous. So they need to kind of practice what they're wearing, what they're, um, how they're presenting themselves, how they're sitting, um, the purse they're carrying, um, whether it's dated. Uh, so unfortunately, as I always say, the burden falls on us to get our foot in the door and to make them understand how valuable we are. Um, and that's one way. And I also recommend that they, they uh, record themselves on their phone and they themselves critique and, and see how they look. And if they were hiring and they're looking at themselves on the phone, what do they think? Um, so I think that's helpful. Uh, another thing that I, I always, I drill down on this is network, network, network. Can't say it enough because it's not, networking is from my perspective is not uh, transactional. It's not um, maybe years ago when you went to a professional uh, conference or to a business meeting, you took a resume and you'd hand to someone and say, you think you have a job for me? No, it's building a relationship today. It's, and, and it can be done on LinkedIn. Um, you, you don't have to be the extroverted, let me go out and knock on doors and shake hands. You can do it on LinkedIn, but it's building a relationship. And, and what I suggest is that you filter down to uh, the role that you're looking for, the industry you're looking in, and look for people. Whether there's a common ground, maybe you graduated from the same school, whether they have written columns or whether they have uh, been on uh, interviews and you're, you're, you've heard it, you're aware of it. So then you reach out to them and say, you know, I've, I've, I've seen your blog, I've seen your interview about this particular subject and I'm so passionate about it. I, I would just so appreciate, uh, a, you know, a, a Zoom coffee clutch with you. And flattering people usually opens a door for you. Um, and, and also, if you're pivoting in a career, if you look for people who are doing what you want to do and reach out and say, I'd like to know how you, how you got into this journey, how you, uh, what changes you had to make, what you had to understand for you to get where you are, because I'd like to move into that arena. Um, so if you go to enough of them, sooner, sooner or later, someone will take time to talk to you and be helpful. There are a lot of mentors out there that uh, you can tap and, and they will in the end be very valuable for you. So, so networking is, is just to me critical. Um, and, and the best thing to do is take your calendar and, and set aside time, block it in your calendar every week. If you're working, it will be more limited and maybe a couple of hours, a couple of days a week. But to do these steps, you, you need to have a commitment and a time set aside. And the last thing I recommend is practicing your interview skills. Oh, please, let's talk about that and connect it to the networking as well. I mean, I tell people they need to remember that they need to practice their questions and their messaging about why they're looking because it relates to confidence. And so much of what you've talked about here, Helen, is about the confidence in our presence. And if you're fumbling around for your words because you don't know exactly what you're asking for, you won't come across well. Yes. And the other thing that I always um, tell my clients is everything is at your fingertips today. So one would think, oh, this will be easy because I can Google it. But it's very time consuming. 
but it's so important that you, as you're saying, you do research so that you know what you want to ask, so that you know where you're coming from. You research the company, you research the person, you research um, what's what you find is needed or what they're doing in the market. This is true for interviews. When you go in, you should have some idea, their mission statement, or have they been in the news? Are they going to be expanding? And is that probably why they're interviewing? And is it something that you've done so you can show your value? And it's the same thing in networking. You need to do research. You need to, it's, it is time consuming, but it is so important. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And another career counselor I work with, she says that she suggests that her clients start following their ideal companies, their target companies on Twitter and Instagram to make sure that you know what they're up to. And I would even take that a step further, especially when you book the interview, create a Google alert for that company and that person. And I know it might be a lot of information coming in, but you don't want to walk into an interview or a networking meeting and you didn't know that they just announced a big layoff or they're being investigated or maybe that the person you're talking to just won a big award, you know. So it's time consuming, but it's critical. Right. It's it's very important and um, it is time consuming, but it's also important from the perspective that you show when we talk about competing with the younger population that you're you are on top of these things, that you are aware of them and that you are setting up your notifications. Um, so because it, it shows your value also. So that is very important. So knowing that confidence is so important, no matter what your age, right? Are there other tips you have for women to boost their confidence? Absolutely. Um, What I usually tell them to do is sit down with a blank piece of paper and start writing down everything you've done, everything, whether it's parenting, whether it's caregiving, whether it's volunteering, in addition to your professional experience. Um, Just write uh, in what you've done, not descriptions, but what you've done. And then go back and think about, so for example, if you were parenting, maybe you had to plan class trips and had to negotiate with parents to make sure that there were enough on the trip. Uh, maybe you had to, as a caregiver, manage medical billing. Uh, maybe as again, parenting, you, you manage the budget. All of these things are skills. All of these things are things that you've achieved and managed really well. And so once you, you make a list of what you've done and what those, those achievements entailed, then you, you pre- present a list of transferable skills. So I, I managed a team. I uh, negotiated a, a team meetings. I managed a budget. Whatever it is, you put them into. I worked independently. I um, have time management skills, whatever it is, you put those into the transferable skills that you want to present. And when you look at it, you should be more than likely amazed at what you've done and understand then how valuable you are. And when you go to the table at an interview, you need to be able to show them your value. Their goal is to hire someone that's going to make the transition easy for them. Uh, So you need to show them that your learning curve will be impacted by the great amount of experience you bring and the great knowledge that you bring. And looking at what you've done, you should be very proud of it and you should be confident that you can handle whatever you're looking for. Um, So I always advise them to, to really think about their history because we, as I said before, 
always underestimate ourselves. Yeah. And showing the value also reminds me of another way to approach it, that you want to show them how you can solve their problem. You know, you need to present yourself as the problem solver for their needs. They need an employee to get something done. So how you can fill that void. Right. That's a great point, because when you again, when you're networking and looking to build relationships and looking for someone to mentor, there can be a lot of value in finding someone who is younger and who will be more than happy to meet with you. They will gain from you and you will gain from them. So that that's a good relationship to look for, too. Helen, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. Tell us where people can find you. Okay. Um, my website is tanagi.com, and that's T-A-N-A-G-U-I. And they can offer, uh, it offers a free consultation if they have a question or would like to chat with me. And my email is hdsanchez at tanagi.com. And I just want to say I've enjoyed this conversation so much with you. So thank you for, again, for inviting me. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. So please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.